Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Ultramap's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Ultramap food editor Eric Sandler. Before I introduce my co-host this week, I wanted to do a quick reset. If you're new to the show, welcome. Each week we take a look at the world of restaurants and bars in Houston. First, I talk about some of the latest news with a friend of mine who's as obsessed with restaurants as I am. Next, we share some thoughts on a recent meal or two. Then I have an in-depth conversation with someone in the food world that I think you'll want to learn more about. In this case, uh, for this week, it's Mary Kuklis. She's the owner of Creedy Kitchen. We'll talk to her coming up. If you haven't already, you may subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Please rate and review the show to help us find more listeners. If you ever have any questions, feel free to email me, eric, E-R-I-C, at culturemap.com, or send me a message on Instagram, at Eric Sandler. Now, let me introduce my co-host this week. She's the owner of Fluff Bake Bar, Rebecca Masson. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm living the dream. Just living the dream. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right oh, into no the news problem. of the let us dive right into the news of the week. Nobi's owners, Sarah and Martin Steyer, announced that they will open Nono's Family Pizza Tavern next to the Toasted Coconut there. Tiki-inspired restaurant and bar in Montrose. Nono's will serve Midwestern tavern-style pizza that's uh, square-cut, uh, a style that they grew to love in Chicago, which is the city they met in. And the space will feature a retro, like Gen X nostalgic design by local favorites, Gin Design Group. Becky, before we talk about Nono's, let me just ask you: Do you have thoughts on? Nobis and or the toasted coconut? Uh, well, I haven't been to the toasted coconut except for to like drop off baked goods. I think Justin's used girlfriend was working there at the time because he was like, can you deliver this to the toasted coconut? Uh, Nobis, uh, the one time I went is delicious. I get really annoyed at the no reservation thing. Um, I like to schedule my life. I don't, I don't know. I don't like to wait around. I'm impatient because usually when I'm hungry, I'm hungry, but uh, it was delicious. And one day I'll go back again. Kind of excited for some tavern style pizza. Uh, I love good pizza. In in defense of Nobis, they do take reservations now. I know in the old days they didn't. Oh, they do now? They do now. You're you're welcome back anytime. Okay, I'll go make a reservation then. I'll do it. Why are you excited about tavern style pizza? Tell, Tell the people. Because I don't know what it is. I guess it's is it like Chicago's like deep dish, right? Well, so so for tourists, this is this is important. I'm glad you brought this up. For tourists, Chicago is deep dish. For Chicagoans, Chicago is like there's a thin crust, also Chicago style, and kind of throughout the Midwest, there's this this square cut like party pizza that's it's like cutting a little squares, and so you can just kind of share it you know, with a, with a big group of people really easily. And, and that's what they're doing. Uh, you, you okay. kind of find this all over the Midwest. So that's, that's what they're doing. I'm down for that. That sounds delicious. Um, they're very talented people and they make tasty food. So I can't imagine that. I mean, the pizza's not going to suck. So let's go, let's do it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I basically, I, you, you summed up my, my own thoughts on this, right. Which is nobody's is delicious at one Restaurant of the Year and the Tastemaker Awards a couple of years ago. The Toasted Coconut is is a place I, I really like to go to. I don't get there very often, but, you know, they have a delicious burger. They have dumplings. They have really fun cocktails. Uh, if you're really motivated, they have Quixote uh, there, Hidden Little Miss Cow Bar that they reopened and, and have currently closed while they kind of get no-nos off the ground. But uh, it's a good hang, the Toasted Coconut. And, and bread has always been kind of, like doughs and bread, like you know, there's the the dilly bread at at uh, at Nobis. Like they make the hamburger buns. It's like they're like their own Hawaiian style hamburger buns at the toasted coconut. Like bread and dough has always been kind of what the, uh, like a, at the core of what they do. So I have I have no doubt that whatever this pizza crust recipe is that Martin Thayer has been working on is going to be really good. And the you know it's going to have that same kind of vintage. Like real to real soundtrack that's that's at Nobis and you know the cocktails at, at both Nobis and the Toasted Coconut have always been really, really like thoughtful. They're balanced. They're creative. 
they're they're always pretty reasonably priced. So I'm sure that that's going to be part of no nos. I mean, you know, the the funny thing for me is this is taking the the old revelry on Richmond States, which I used to live close enough to walk to, and then I I moved, oh, wow. you know, two and a half years. Like I don't I don't regret the decision to to buy a house and move out of Montrose, but but I I regret it just a little bit because I this would have been my local pizza spot and it's not going to be. But it's well, you'll just have to make it. Yeah, I'll drive. Pizza. Like it's okay. I'll just I'll drive. I just won't be. Will they deliver pizza? Ooh, I don't think I. That is a good question uh, that I have not had the chance to ask them. I don't think. I think it's more focused on a dine-in pizza experience, which is part of why, like, they're going to have an arcade and they're going to have shuffleboard and they're going to have a big patio and all this other stuff. But I think it's more focused on dine-in. But I mean, as a pizzeria, you got to do to go right. Like it's it's got to be part of it. You got to do good to go. Um, I, you know, I'm excited. I, I, we, we always can use more pizza. That's my theory on it. I love and pizza. And we're getting like, you know, weirdly that part of Montrose is kind of, you know, Montrose Midtown. If you expand it just a little bit, is Beetlejuice, Chris Cusack's pizzeria on Washington Avenue is opening a second location on Montrose oh, wow. Boulevard. You know, Home Slice just opened in Midtown uh, next to the Breakfast Club. So weirdly, like that's three new pizzerias within a couple miles of each other. So I would say the Montrose, whatever, whatever Montrose uh, pizza cravings were not being satisfied by like, you know, Love Buzz and Romano's and Star and everything else that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. Like surely between No-No's, Beetlejuice and Home Slice, there's something for everybody. For sure. Absolutely. God, I haven't been to Star Pizza since I've like moved here. I forgot about uh, that place. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those funny ones because like I grew up here, and so there are there are days, like I'd say maybe three or four days a year, when the only thing in this world that I want to eat for dinner is a is a Joe's deep dish pizza from Star. And and if you poll like Houstonians like on Facebook or Reddit, like what's the best pizza in Houston, it pops up a lot. But it kind of flies under the radar from a media perspective, so you don't hear about it that much. I mean, what they got two two locations that I know of. So, well, there's, and there's a third in Katy that you're never ever going to go to, <laughs> but it's there. I promise. Okay. All right. Let's move on to topic number two. Sean Bermudez, the owner of places like the Burger Joint and the Taco Stand, has mm-hmm. opened Roswell Saloon, a space theme bar in the former Stone's Throw space across from Anvil. Now, Becky, I know you're not a big bar goer these days, but did you have a chance to look at the pictures in the Culture Map article about Roswell's? Oh, yeah, I looked. Mm -hmm. What do you think? It's ridiculous. I don't know. If I choose to go to a bar, it's either Divey or Anvil-ish or, like, I mean, a restaurant bar, right? That's just, I mean, it, it just reminds me of, like, What's that? The, was it Be Present or Present Company? Present Company. Well, the, no surprise there because Sean used to own Present Company. He no, sold it at the end go. of last year. Yeah. So he's got a he's got a sense for like what people want to look at, what they'll want to take pictures of. Well, yeah. I mean, but you can't base your whole concept off Instagram worthy moments, right? Like you'll you'll get them in once, but I don't do know. You- it worked for Present Company. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Maybe the 20 somethings like it. I'm old and yeah. I'm a curmudgeon. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's intentionally ridiculous, but I, I don't know. I, I, you know, sat in the space with Sean. I interviewed him for an article on culture map. I thought it was fun. I don't know. I don't know how often I'm going to go there. Right. But you know, it's all, it's black lights, neon. It's, it's got all this planetary stuff. There's, there's graphics being projected on the walls. It's a lot. It's, it's very deliberately a lot. Yeah, uh, it, but it, very much in the right frame of mind, you know, as one stop, like, you know, this is not my evening destination, right? But as like one stop, I could, I could definitely see it. I mean, the cocktails look cute. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, least, these cocktails are always, they, at least they kept the theme throughout, right? But, yeah. That was part of the goal, right? It was to have a, a comprehensive theme. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pass. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for letting us know it exists. It, all in a day's work. I will say one other thing, though, is which is that, you know, Sean sold present company mm-hmm. and he told me that he's opening 
two more burger joints and four more taco stands, plus wow. a couple other restaurant concepts he didn't specify. I, I should note that the Heights locations of both the burger joint and the taco stand are really close to fluff bake bars. So I just wondered if if you if you ever eat there and if you have thoughts on them. Um, the burger joint has the really good Caesar salad. Like the the chicken on it is, I don't know, it's cooked to perfect. I can, well, I can't really cook chicken very well to begin with, so I could never do that. I mean, the burgers are good, yeah. But uh, if I go there, I get um, the Caesar salad and um, bacon farm fries. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about balance, people. So they're really tasty. Um, I went to the, you know, I went to the taco stand when they very first opened and that was probably a mistake and I should probably give them another try, but I, you know, there's so many other tacos out there. I know there's a million tacos. I will, I will say it is not, it happens. Like I'll pop into the fluff bake bar and I'll pick up, you know, a star, a couple of star crossed lovers and a cookie or, or whatever specials you've got going on on uh, Saturday or Sunday. And then I'll go to the taco stand and pick up two because it's a drive-through. Right. That's so fine. I can pick up a couple of tacos and then I have lunch and dessert. And I, it's like, are they the best tacos? No. Are they, are they tasty and reasonably priced and very convenient? Yes. They yeah. are all of those things. And if one of those new taco stands is closer to where I live, I will probably eat there. I don't know, once a month, maybe twice a month. Like it'll, it'll, it'll crack the rotation. Cause yeah. the only thing that's stopping me from eating there more often is that it's just kind of far from where I live. No, no, I really, I do really like their Caesar salad. It's really good. <laughs> that is good to know. That is a, that is a hidden. That's yeah, a pro it's, tip it's from under bowls. I think it's under bowls, but it's funny when we do order it, everyone who's working orders Caesar. We all get Caesar salads. Very, like very rarely do we get burgers. All right. And then let's move on to topic number three, Lady M, the New York City based Cake bakery known for its millet crepes that are made with like 20 layers of crepes has opened a permanent location in the Galleria. Becky, since you're a baker, I feel obligated to ask you about this. Do you, have you tried Lady M? Yes. When our, our friend Adrian was living in New York city, we had a lady date and we went and had them. Um, It's delicious. It's very well done. They must have, a magic crepe making machine because when I make crepe cakes, it takes me all day. They've got interesting flavors. The thing I think I like the most is it's not quaintly sweet, right? Like it's very mild um, in ten- in terms of sugar, um, which is how I prefer things. I think the only thing, the only negative is it's in the Galleria. <laughs> Yeah, I I sort of wondered about that, but they've been doing kind of pop ups in the Galleria, yeah, and apparently they really like it. and And I asked the CEO about, you know, why the Galleria, and he's like, "Well, you know, we're in this kind of luxury. We're on the border of the kind of the luxury wing. We're kind of across from the Apple Store, and we're near like a bank of elevators. So yeah. if if all you want is to go and get a Lady M cake." You just have to figure out like which entrance to park in that takes you near the elevator. And then you just, you go, you, you can get it and then you can leave. I I know which one this is. You enter off uh, Westheimer. It's at the light. You go all the way down to the bottom. And usually there's parking next to the banks because next to elevator banks. And the only reason I know this is because the Apple store before we had the one in uh, on uh, what is that Highland village? village? Yeah. That's the only reason I know that. But yeah, it's it's definitely worth going and it's worth the price tag. It's it's really good. I really like it. Well, I'm I'm glad you said that because I really like it too, and I now I feel validated. Oh, uh, yeah. And and I will say the nice thing about this location is they're gonna have a couple of little cafe tables. So you can get a slice and they'll sell you a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, and you can sit and have your cake, which just feels very civilized to me. To, to be eating this this very fancy slice of cake with a, a warm beverage in the, you know, hoopla of the, the Galleria. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, you want to feel, um, you can feel bougie. Yes. Right. Uh, and the other, the other thing I'll say is that, you know, since they've 
committed to the store, they've also set up a bakery like somewhere off site to, to crank out all these different flavors of crepe cake. So maybe there'll be more. That is the goal. Yes, they're they're looking. And, and I think it wouldn't surprise me to see them in like a, other kind of luxurious environments that are similar to the Galleria. So, you know, wherever there's an Apple store, wherever there's like an Apple a pretty store. good candidate for a Lady M, right? So the Woodlands and Memorial City, you know, that, that seems kind of logical to me that, that there would be, th- those would be two possibilities. That sounds, yeah. I, I, and then finally, topic number four, you just attended the Hot Luck Festival in Austin this weekend. So how was Hot Luck? Oh my God. It's like the high school reunion you want to go to. <laughs> or like, and like Al Fuego, like the Saturday event, it's like the high school cakers, right? But with really good food. Um, It was, number one, it was cooler than it's ever been. I think it might've been in the upper 80s, maybe the super low 90s. Um, So that was a blessing. But I, I don't know, it was like, a whole vibe and everybody was so excited to be there you know there were some new faces I don't know it was just those those guys Aaron Franklin Mike Thielen James Moody man they know how to throw a party let me did tell you, you get to meet anyone that you had never met before that you were excited about um yeah well okay so Diana Mao is a pastry chef up in Minneapolis she used to work for Gavin Kaysen um at Sable and Spoon and God, I can't remember when we like became like Instagram friends, but it's been a long time coming. Aaron had reached out to me and asked for some pastry peeps and I gave him a couple names. Well, I gave him two names with paragraphs of why I love them. And then I gave him like four names. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I want. So basically I'm saying, I want you to pick these two. One was Diana. The other was Dana Cree from pretty cool ice cream in Chicago. Um, so yeah, so we got to meet in person. So that was, that was super awesome. I met the guys that own birdies, um, in Austin, um, and they're super nice. Right. And- Just so people know, that's a super cool wine bar and restaurant that's made some like national best new restaurant lists. Yes. Um, and now I have an in and I don't have to wait. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know. And then obviously seeing Aaron and Mike and and James is nice, is always nice. And then just seeing everybody you haven't seen in a while. So it was festive. It was a good time. I had a really was there, good- was there, was there one or two of the most, do you have any, any like particular one or two most delicious things you want to shout out? Okay. So Ashley Christensen did this like fried cheese in like this blue cornmeal batter. So it was like a cheesy corn dog looking thing. I, and she was cooking the same night as me Friday and I was so busy. I never left my booth, but somehow got four of them. And oh my God, it was so good. Um, I talked to her about it. She said she'd been working on this for a while and it finally came to fruition. And so she was super excited and I was like, well, people kept bringing it to me. So it was maybe, maybe she'll serve that at Southern smoke. She's a Southern smoke festival staple. Yes, maybe. Um, And then so the guys from Este had brought in, had helped bring in these two restaurants from Mexico. One is in Monterey. The other one, I can't remember. I think he's close by. Uh, he was serving Champacana, so I couldn't eat it. But the guy from Mar- um, Monterey, they're from uh, Cara de Vaca. That's the restaurant. He did this like taco al chewy. I guess that chewy's his name. I don't know. It was a ribeye, but it was like super thin and it had, I don't know, something spicy and some avocados. And it was actually a flour tortilla. Um, it was it was at El Fuego on Saturday. It was so good. I, I mean, I don't I tend to not eat a lot at events just because it's just too much. So I handpick what I eat. But yeah, um, it was funny. I guess the guys from Suerte had drove down to Mexico to pick them up. And to pick up like the fish because they had Baja, they had Turbo from Baja. And I guess food got confiscated. I don't know. It was this whole thing. It, like something happened at the border and things got confiscated. And I don't know. It was crazy. But they were there. I don't know that they'd ever been to an event like that. So they were kind of like, what is this? Why are there hundreds of people in my line? Right. 
it was well worth the wait. It was delicious. It was really, really good. All right. Becky, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Becky, for our restaurants of the week, I have two Italian restaurants I want to discuss with you. The first is Triola's Italian Kitchen. This is an Italian restaurant in the Heights. It's a place that's gotten a lot of hype. If you are a member of any of the Facebook food groups, especially Heights Area Foodies, people post about this restaurant constantly. They love it. We had more of a mixed experience, and and we'll get into the specifics of that in just a second. But but let me just ask you because I know you own a small business, you're you're sensitive to you know all these different review platforms, and we're going to have to say some some you know some negative things about this meal that we had. But but let me just ask you like. Like how much slack do you cut a restaurant when you go there and it's just like not what you expected? I mean, I'm not going to go beat them down and go tell everyone how crappy it like if not I'm not saying it was crappy, but I'm not going to first of all, I'm not going to go review it. Second of all, I if someone asks me how it was, I'll be like, "Oh, it was fine" or some things were good. You know, I'm not going to like publicly bash them. No, you'll let me, you'll let me. But at the same time, like my, I think our expectations were really high because of, I mean, the Heights foodie group is basically a Triola's fan page, right? It, it, It has its moments where it is that. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I called you and said, let's go see what this is all about. Right. I don't remember who said what, but anyways, I don't know, man. I just, will will I give it another try? Maybe. Or will I just write it off? Maybe. I don't know. All right. Let's, let's dive into just a couple of the specifics because, because we did go in with high expectations. I I will say, I like how kind of humble and unassuming it is. You know, it's this little, little tiny place and, and everybody's working hard. You could tell like the front of house was hustling. The valet guy was hustling. The kitchen was busy. And it was, and it was packed. I mean, you know, not that they had a ton of room, but it was, it was a busy place. Yes. I think the mistakes that were made were things that can be fixed. Right. Like, I mean, I'll just say it. Like what did we get? Five dishes. Yeah, that's right. The mushrooms were cold. My chicken was cold. I don't know how the temperature of your Osobuco was. I thought it was hot. I think I remember seeing it steaming. It's uh, to me, it was as if they made sure all your food was was perfect, and I was just like the bystander, right? You know, see what's so funny is I have never been more certain that I was not recognized in in like the last five years of dining in, in an early restaurant that I, I was not identified as a member of the media or any or anyone who deserved any special treatment apart from whatever they give everybody else, right? I, I've never been more certain of that because the mushrooms were cold. It, I mean, they were, well, they weren't like, they weren't like freezer cold, but they weren't hot. No, they weren't hot. They probably would have been delicious if they were They hot. would have been delicious if they were hot and they were not. And cold and John cream is not good. Right. You know, and, you know, at the same time, like we had a, well, I had a, a shrimp appetizer that, that I, that like, you know, again, like it wasn't, it wasn't cold, but it wasn't really hot enough. And it was just kind of, you know, it was kind of fussy and it just, it, it didn't, it didn't really land. I mean, really the, like, like you said, your chicken, you know, you, you had this like spinach chicken with vegetables and, and cheese sauce and it like, you know, it just should have been, should have been like temperature, like not spicy hot, like temperature hot, like it should have been warmer. Yeah. Yes. Um, much. And, and really the only dish, the only dish that really, that I, I thought was good, like that, that I would, I would order again based on our experience was my Asubuco. But of course it's a $60 veal shank almost. Yeah. And it comes with risotto, but, but not really that much risotto. It's like, give me the, like, I, you know, I want enough risotto to have like a bite of risotto with every bite of meat, roughly your, you know, give or take. And so like, even there, it's like the, the, you know, like the little, like the little stuff just didn't seem I don't know if we caught it on a bad night. I don't know if we had bad luck. You think it's bad. You think it's me. <laughs> I do. Well, I'm going to explain why I think it's you in a second. We're we're coming to because we're coming to our second restaurant. But you know, I, but but at the same time, like I have to balance 
our experience with all these other raves and and is tempting to just think well those people don't know what they're talking about right like the you know they they have bad taste in restaurants you know i think that's that's maybe a little bit too impolite so i i will say i i want to give triola's kitchen another shot because because like i said it's this little place and it's byob and people seem to love it but it it did it it missed for us and and it kind of bumped me out you think the reason because it was expensive with five it di- was. with five dishes and we drank water, right? Right. Do you think that because a lot of restaurants make money off wine, because they don't have wine, they have to balance out the income? Because it was I thought it was pricey. I'm sorry, it was. It was. No, I mean it was it right. If you're if you're BYOB and you would have otherwise bought wine at a restaurant markup, you're coming out ahead. Right. Like that's always kind of been that's always kind of been like the the key to like, you know, Greg Cooper and Charles Clark's restaurants. It's like the food's a little bit expensive, but the wine's cheap. So if you're a wine drinker, you come out ahead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't remember exactly what we paid, but it was like. It was like 200 bucks with a tip. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it was, yeah, I think it was 200 bucks with the tip. So it wasn't, uh, it was not an inexpensive meal. And I, and that's part of what, what made it so disappointing, right? Is that, you know, we paid all this money. And for that kind of money, like we could have gone to restaurants we really like. I mean, maybe not could have gone to Blue Dorm, but we could have gone to Riel for that kind of money and had a really good meal or La Lucha or, you know, a bunch of other places. And that's part of what that's part of what was so disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Like you're busy. I mean, it is like elbow to elbow in there. It's not a lot of room. I mean, the service wasn't lacking right i think just- no the service was attentive it was friendly he had recommendations on the menu i thought it 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 checked all the boxes yeah it's just the food coming out of the kitchen didn't live up to our expectations no i kind of want to ask those people no i don't want to ask those people <laughs> no you don't i don't want to get into that no no right. i mean it's probably worth another try i bet this time you get recognized I probably well, especially after this podcast comes out. Yeah, I probably will get recognized. Well, and Frank came out and talked to us, but had, but had he you... didn't. He didn't know. He didn't know what either one of us did for a living. I, I've, okay, I'm very I didn't. I that. didn't know if he if you'd ever met him before. No, yeah. no, and he actually asked me if he knew me from another his former restaurant in the Memorial area that I I had never been to, and and when I sort of said, oh no, but we grew up going to Lasagna House, he kind of scoffed at that, which. <laughs> Hurt my feelings a little bit. I, 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 I have very fond memories of going to lasagna. Yeah, she can't. Don't make fun of my restaurants, Frank. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And then we have another Italian restaurant to talk about. This is Bari, new <laughs> in River Oaks District. It is located right across the driveway from Toulouse, the very popular French restaurant. And and I'll say, like Triolas is established, right? Triolas has been open for. Uh, several months now, it's got all these great reviews. Bari had been open for a week when we went to Bari. And again, highs and lows. Not everything was quite up to our expectations. So so let me just ask you, what did you, overall, what did you think about Bari? Um, yeah, well, I'll give Triolas another chance. I'll probably never go to Bari again, just based on location and the fact that it just was meh right no i i think that's right and and you know i have again like i have some sympathy for for bari because like i said they'd only been open for, for a week but on the other hand you know i've been seeing people raving about it on social media and they brought in all these influencers and and all the usual stuff and and they do like they definitely knew like this, this was set up through the pr firm like they knew what I do for a living and they were, you know, they were hosting us the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, there's some stuff that just like you would think wouldn't fly, right? Like we ordered, we ordered a Frito Misto appetizer with calamari and shrimp. And most of the calamari were like clumped together, which is right. just bad, like technique, right? Like how do you, how do you send that out of the kitchen? I mean, to me, especially, but really to anybody like that's, anybody. that's not really okay. Yeah. And and it was kind of the same thing with your Joey <laughs> Pepe, where the pasta. Oh, that was, that was like, Carbonara. <laughs> oh, right. Carbonara, excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> I think it was Carbonara. It was supposed to be Carbonara. 
Yes. Um, it sat on the past too long, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, because the pasta was all clumped together. Yeah, and it was really I mean, I get it, you put egg in there, but it almost looked like they had put food coloring in it yellow. Um yeah, it was bright it, it yellow. Was bland. It was really bland. Yeah. I think Mrs. You know, Wilson had the dish of the night, but Yeah, your your mother joined us. Yes. Uh and and yeah, she got the seafood risotto. And it was it was all good things. It was like it was that nice, like spreadable risotto texture. Seafood was like plump. The sauce was tasty. It was like she won the Bari lottery. But like <laughs> even my even my veal scallopini, like again, like it wasn't it wasn't temperature hot enough, and the frying wasn't it wasn't crispy. You know, like it's you know I I know what that dish is supposed to taste like. It's not a I mean, and that's the other thing about Bari is it's it's like all this like really familiar, like super classic, you know, Italian, Italian, American style dishes. But no eggplant farm. Right. No eggplant. Right. No eggplant farm. No chicken. No chicken farm. That's where they draw the line, apparently. <laughs> uh, but but, you know, but it's got all this kind of familiar stuff. And and so for it not to be executed properly is just a bummer. And And again, like it would have been. You know, our dinner for three with wine this time, if we had been paying for it, would have been like, you know, 200, 250 bucks. So, you know, you want that, like, if you're going to pay that kind of money. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't mind paying that kind of money, but I want it to be worth it. Worth it. Yeah. Um, The pizza wasn't bad. No, the pizza was actually pretty good. I, I think the pizza was one of the better things we had. But it's not worth going back there for me. No, I wouldn't go back there just for pizza. But if I were going there, I would get the pizza again. Get pizza, yeah. Right? Nice char on the crust, good toppings. It was, I mean, and I'd get that risotto again. And I would get that, uh, I'd get that mango cheesecake again. Yeah, our donut, our little bombolini were cold. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. The, any, anything out of the fire at that restaurant's a no. Like yeah. a, a hard pass for me until they get that thing straightened out. I mean, maybe it is first week jitters and like, the fact that you said it's not like a chef-owned place; it's like an investor-owned place. So, but they got this guy, this the chef who used to work at the Hotel Grand Duca, who's hmm. you know, and and a, a real Italian chef in an Italian restaurant, which is I always appreciate. But we don't we don't know if he was there or not because again, like he didn't he didn't come out and say hi. So either he was super busy, or he wasn't there. Right. Uh, and we didn't meet the the operating partner, Tommy. Tommy Nally, because he didn't he didn't come out and introduce himself either. I've seen him on TV. I didn't I didn't see him while we were there, but you know, it's a week old, it's a week old. I mean, we went on a Monday night, but it's also a week old restaurant. You think he was probably around. But it's a it's a beautiful space in a great location. So financially it'll probably be fine. But yeah. in it's this in this Yeah, but that's every new restaurant. Yeah. But with all these new Italian restaurants opening up all over town. You know, my Italian restaurant dollars, if I were in that neighborhood, are either going to go to Dante's, which is which also just opened on Mid Lane, Brian Doak's new place, or to El Bracco, which I've talked about so often on this podcast that I, I probably don't need to get into it. Uh, <laughs> or even Numero 28, which is Italian-owned in Highland Village and kind of casual and welcoming, or Devante, where Chef Roberto makes his great pastas. Like, you know, life's too short. Bari, I'm with you. Like, Triolas, I feel like, there's something there like we we didn't experience it but there's something there bari probably a one and done for me yeah i i second that notion but you know it's like you said the the it's like toulouse is like the new b20 uh brasserie 19 so they all hang out the bar so maybe they'll hang out i mean they had a cute little bar area no and in fact i talked to a friend of mine who like had drinks at toulouse and then went over to bari and wasn't really feeling the dining room, so she and her girlfriend sat at the bar, and yeah. and had drinks and you know whatever had a had a very nice time, but not for the food for the environment. There you go. All right, Becky. Before I let you go, what's new at Fluff Bake Bar? It's summer, so more ice cream. I'm thinking about making a Sunday or two. I encourage this. Yes, make Sundays. I had a Sunday um, in Austin at Cafe No Say. And I was like, God, I miss making Sundays. So maybe keep an eye out. All right. Fluffbakebar.com. And what what are you on Instagram? Uh, at Fluffbakebar and me personally, but um, I am not responsible for your reactions at Sugar Fairy. 
Follow at your own risk. Exactly. Uh, Rebecca Madison, thank you very much. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I missed doing this with you. It was fun. And I'll be right back with Mary Kuklis. I am joined this week by the chef owner of Creedy Kitchen, a restaurant in West U. Mary Kuklis, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Eric. Excited to be here. Thanks for doing this. You know, look, I always, I always kind of like to start these interviews with, you know, a person's history. So, so tell me a little bit about how you came to the world of professional cooking. Um. Well, I guess I um kind of always have been interested in cooking. I, looking back, all of my jobs have been cooking related. So, from a um, ski camp. Uh, chef to a which is essentially heating up you know like french toast for campers um to uh working at a michelin starred restaurant in china called bow innovation um alvin leong's place i did an internship there um and then i worked at pondicherry for almost 10 years with anita dressing honey and really i feel like that's where i really learned to love the whole restaurant business uh all together um of course family has been a huge part in that too um my grandfather came over from crete when he was 18 and we still have family there and we go and visit them they actually have a um a hotel there called gnosis beach and um they have a nice restaurant there and when you go to crete with and my family's from crete greece um when you go there with family, it's it's a different experience. I think they take um, they often would take us out to like you know um, local tavernas and really have kind of traditional, really local food there. Um, and that's actually what kind of I started wanting to do about well a long time ago, but actually actually started doing it probably about three years ago with my catering company, and then. Uh, continued it with creepy kitchen right well you've you've provided a lovely overview for the next probably 15 or 20 minutes of what we're going to talk about so (laughs) so start with start with bow innovation because it it just sounds so fantastical to me how did you wind up working at a restaurant in in hong kong what did you sort of take from that experience um so my parents actually lived in hong kong for almost eight years so i went um to visit them uh almost every summer they were there and um, there's this one place we would go occasionally called Bow Innovation. And, um, you know, I had, I was the, I guess, I guess we went for Christmas break. I think it was a Christmas break before um, or after I graduated college. And we um, talked uh, kind of to the owner there about um, me potentially doing an internship over the summer. And, um, that that came into fruition and so i uh, i worked there it was uh <laughs> it was quite an experience it's molecular gastronomy um so you know a lot of crazy techniques going on and um they had me work kind of each station for one week and i remember my um they had me working in pastry for one week and uh the pastry chef trained me for maybe two days and then she was like okay I'm going to go on vacation. You got it. Oh, by the way, the Michelin star uh, guide is in town. So like, make sure it's good. And me being terrified, but um, I think it turned out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, people who train to be doctors, they, they sort of joke about see one, do one, teach one. So, <laughs> you know, you saw it for two <laughs> days. I mean, that's plenty of time to execute at a Michelin star level, right? Like, right. Know. Right. <laughs> And then I, I want to dive into Pondicherry a little bit because I, I do think that's where, you know, if they if they don't know you from Creedy Kitchen, maybe people know you from your time there. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you how did you come to work there? Um, so her first restaurant, Indica, was one of my favorite restaurants in Houston. I loved it, um, and I actually was eating dinner dinner there with my family, and um, I was there was. If, if anyone's familiar with Indica, they probably know Rusty. He was a like mainstay server plus awesome guy that um 
he was he was he was serving our table that evening and I was like you know what maybe I want to work here and he goes seriously you need to apply and so um I actually decided to apply and then um Anita said I don't even want to indica but I'm about to open Pondicherry uh, my new concept um if you you're interested in working there we can use you there and so um I started there two weeks before Pondicherry opened and went through all the craziness of opening any restaurant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's such an interesting restaurant in my opinion, because, you know, there were, there were all these other high profile openings, you know, when that development got going, you know, Robert Del Grande had two restaurants and there was that LA sushi restaurant and they all went away and Pondicherry indoors. And, and I right. know, I know it's not, I mean, I know it's not your restaurant, but, but what do you think it is about that place that, that just kind of works for people? I mean. Yeah. Anita would always, at the beginning, people would call it the hidden gem. And she's like, I don't want to be a hidden gem. I want to, you know. Yeah, I want to, but... I want to, I want to be full. <laughs> yeah. I want to make money. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I mean, she's just so talented and she has so much passion and just the way she uses spices and, you know, I think her ability to create Indian food for all palates is unique. And um, I think that's what brings people back. It's just, uh, it's just, just a fun space. And, you know, the colors, the design, her aesthetic uh, all around is, is, is pretty, pretty amazing. Do you have one good Anita Jaisinghani story that's podcast appropriate? One good. Let's see. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'd have to think. I don't know. She's always just, I guess one thing is that, and she'll say this too, you know, so many times she's just such a creative thing and thinker. And like, she just thinks so well um, about ingredients that um she's just shocked when other people don't think the same way as her so you know half the time she would <laughs> uh you know make these recipes and not write it down and then just expect us to know it or she'd um I remember especially at the beginning we would um I was working six days a week I think at that point at least and I had my one day off and I would come in from being off and the whole kitchen would be rearranged the whole menu would be changed <laughs> And then finally, um, Ajna, after her daughter, Ajna, um, after, I guess, two months of this, you know, changing menu, said, Anita, you have got to stop changing the menu for at least three months. And so she, <laughs> she stopped for three months and gave us a little breather. Obviously, you're, as you said, you're, you're of Greek heritage. How did you kind of come to the decision that it was time to move on from Pondicherry and, and that you were ready to kind of embrace that? that aspect of your culinary legacy? Yeah, I mean, that had been something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And Anita knew that from the beginning. Well, I guess I maybe two two years in told her, you know, this is something I want to do. And she was super supportive of me, um, you know, learning everything there is to open a restaurant. And she was, you know, helped me do that, which was amazing. Um, and so I guess probably the main reason for the transition is I was about to have my second child and um, I, I don't know why I thought this, but uh, I thought it would be a good time to open a, a restaurant. Um, I mean, and... that's basically like having a third child. I mean, you basically <laughs> yeah, have twins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but the thing was I had my uh, second child and then a month into have, after having her COVID hit, and um, so I had to rethink kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, uh, having two kids is a little more challenging than I realized, I think. And so I started my um, thinking about this catering company. I don't know, in COVID, probably not the best idea. But the catering company idea morphed into a um, heat and eat uh, kind of menu. And so I did. You had, so it ended up being um, where people would pre-order by Sunday and then pick up Thursday. And so I did that for about two years um, while I was looking for a space for Greedy Kitchen. And then, um, you know, something, you know, a good space appeared and I felt like the time was right. And so then we decided to open. All right. So when you were doing kind of the heat and eat, the catering company, was that also Greek food or were you, was it more? Eclectic? Yeah. 
that was Greek food. And it really helped me kind of curate what I wanted to, what, and it kind of made me pivot and change instead of doing um, like a full service, you know, restaurant. I thought about doing something that was utilizing things from what I learned catering. So, you know, a caterer doesn't cook everything from scratch when they walk into someone's home or to a, a, a place. So you have like kind of, tricks where you warm up things so it's not overcooked and it's perfectly, you know, ready to go. So um, for the heat and eat stuff, I thought that that would be a fun thing to develop and, um, and, and curate. Uh, so going back to, so the heat and eat part where I was doing it before in the cater, the, the first two years before Creedy Kitchen um, helped me kind of hone that and des- decide on a bunch of dishes that I wanted to do for Creedy Kitchen. And then, um, you know, while still doing catering and then we have just like a fun little menu also. <laughs> so, so what did you kind of learn about like what sort of, like what people's expectations were for, for Greek food. Cause I, I mean, you know, we don't, it's just not a very common cuisine in Houston. I mean, it's kind of dominated by Nico Nico's really. I mean, I, it's hard to think of very many other places. Yeah. Um, a lot of the Greek food I found in Houston was, I mean, very delicious, but very much street food. So, um, the kind of Greek food I'm, wanting to portray is more um, like of a home style Greek food kind of things that I eat with my relatives. Like for example, when you go to Taverna in Crete, a lot of times it's like a man, you know, an old woman, an older man, elderly man um, running the whole thing. And they invite you back into the kitchen and there's like the stefato or stew of the day. And they go and say like, come, you know, smell the stew, decide what you want. So it's a lot more like stewed meats. It's more um, like uh, just such fresh vegetables um, and beans and lentils. And I don't think really that too many people um, see that side of Greek food. Um, so I kind of wanted to share a little bit of like what I see with my family and and what we eat when we're there. <laughs> and then you, you as you mentioned, you, you found a space in West U. You're in the same shopping center as... Buffalo Grill. I mean, mm-hmm. how did you sort of settle on that? What? Why was that the right space for you? I wanted something small. I wanted, um, you know, something that wasn't crazy big, but had a good space for a kitchen. So the layout was important. Um, being in that neighborhood, I thought was great with families that needed um, needed options to take home, like something healthy to take home to their family, something delicious um, and something easy. So I guess, <laughs> you know, I, good visibility from the neighborhood and um yeah good parking also <laughs> yes very good yes i i as i will affirm having having eaten there fairly recently very good parking so let me just ask you i mean you've been open for what about six months now maybe a little longer yes that's correct about six months how's it going it's good you know there's been some learning points we've um you know, change the menu a little bit, not, not too much. Um, I really, I started off with an amazing staff, which is like unheard of. I was shocked. Um, so that, that, that really, really helped, um, facilitate all that. And, um, yeah, I I think we're getting there. Well, I mean, talk to me, I mean, I mean, dive in a little bit. I mean, like, you know, because you, you do have this unusual kind of hybrid model where you, you have kind of the the heat needs stuff that people can take to go. And then you're doing kind of, you know, like breakfast and lunch or brunch and lunch kind of service uh, mm-hmm. during the day. I mean, like, are people embracing both aspects of the business? Like, are they, are they coming in to pick up stuff or they? They are. I think at first people were a little confused. They were like, why is this space so small? Um, and they, we kind of had to sh- show people that yes we want we have some dine-in available but also we have like all these other options to to take home and um so now it's kind of gotten into a little bit of a rhythm where people come in for brunch or lunch and then um then we have a trickle of people in the afternoon picking up stuff for for dinner and then we maybe have some people come in for kind of an early dinner and wine we have these um meze boards which are pretty fun where you can um just 
kind of it's it's yeah it's just a sampler of a like a lot of different things on our menu um and you know i love i love a good like meze style dining experience where you can try a bunch of different things so the idea is these meze boards are something you can taste and then uh you know why not add a glass of greek wine with it and um and enjoy yeah no i i will say i think that's one of the things i really enjoyed about my meal at Creedy is that we, you know, we got a couple of those boards. And so we kind of ate our way away across the menu. I mean, what, what would you say are some of the dishes that people are really excited about? Um, our chicken wrap is very popular. Spanakopita, um, people are really enjoying that. And that's a classic one. Um, I just added moussaka to the menu just because everyone just keeps asking for moussaka. And um, we had it on the heat and eat, but now we're, we have it for dining as well. Um, people are loving the chicken. And then we have a, um, uh, we do a seasonal dip, but it's actually just been this eggplant dip called Melitza Nozzolata, um, which is like a smoked eggplant uh, dip. And people seem to really enjoy that, or kind of like surprised that they enjoy that. Um, and one that I love that I don't know if everyone else does, but there's a dish called um, horta, um, which is uh, really means just sauteed wild greens. Um, but in Crete, like it's everywhere. It's just very simple olive oil with a little lemon juice. And um, the Cretans attribute it to their long life. They, cause they, there's just like, they'll be like old women picking these greens from the side of the road and normally it's like dandelion greens and amaranth and that sort of thing. But we're trying to recreate that with, with, uh, with some of our sides and that sort of thing. But. Well, and, and tell me about the wine list. Cause I, I mean, I know, you know, I know Greek wine, you know, has had its champions in Houston over the years, but you know, what are you kind of doing to, to introduce people to it? Yeah, we, um, I am really excited about our wine list. It, it's, it's some fun, fun Greek wines. Um, and, and honestly, it's it just, just because they are, you know, the grapes are grown in similar areas to where the food, you know, the, the herbs are, I use oregano and parsley and thyme. And, you know, I, I feel like the wines kind of like you pick up like in some of those notes and it complements the food really well. Um, but yeah, I had, uh, one of my good friends, uh, Sean McNeely is a sommelier and he helped me with the wine list. And, um, you know, we, we, we were very open to having people taste our wines because I feel like not everyone's super familiar with Greek wines, but we found that, um, people trying them are just like, I, this is like amazing. Like I really enjoyed this wine. We have a white um, acertico that's like really crisp and delicious. And there's all these different great varietals um, that people don't really understand. So there's a little bit more, um, you know, this is this varietal is like a Pinot, like this varietal is like a cab kind of kind of learning. But I think people are getting it. We're, we're getting people very interested in our Greek wines. And actually, we have two two wines that are not Greek on the menu, and we haven't sold very many of those at all. So I think people are. Yeah, it's a good, weirdly, that's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, you just have to kind of like, I mean, I'm glad you're doing that kind of handholding because I, correct me, but I, Greece is one of the oldest wine producing regions of the world, right? I mean, this is, mm-hmm. this is like one of the places yeah. where wine comes from. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. And in Crete, I mean, you don't go, when you're at a taverna in Crete, you don't like leave with, there's a picture of wine, like the house wine is on the table when you sit down and you're finished the meal with Raki, which is like, uh, uh, tastes like rubbing alcohol, but it's, um, it's the outside of the, uh, the grape, like kind of distilled down to a very strong, uh, digestive. <laughs> and I know, you know, I, I know you're mostly kind of a daytime spot, but you have started doing uh, wine dinners. So tell me a little bit about, about that. Yeah, that's kind of going into, uh, I guess, my maybe eventual desire to do a fine dining restaurant. Um, so once a month, we do these um, five course tasting menu, just just having mostly just having a lot of fun with it um, doing a lot of seafood and um, kind of dishes that I'm inspired by from 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 my travels and um, 
and that sort of thing. You know, we, our, our last one, we did Octopus, which I love. And the, I feel like I'm doing things that um, don't really yield well to like the heat meat stuff. So it's an opportunity where I can do fish because I, I don't really want to reheat fish, you know? And so um, that's not on the heat meat menu, but it's on the dinners. And um, I love cooking fish and Crete is such a, you know, it's an island. So there's so much seafood. So it's a chance to, to kind of explore that aspect of it. And again, are, are they well received by your, your customers? Yes, we sell out very quickly. So, and we've done a few private ones as well, which is fun. So is that kind of, I mean, is that kind of where you want to go? Like you could do them. I don't want to, I don't want to push you, but you know, you could do them every <laughs> two weeks instead of once a month, maybe, uh, I, yeah, maybe, grow, maybe grow a little. That's, that's, that's definitely on the radar. It might, it might, might happen. <laughs> yeah, they're um, fun and we love doing them. So, so uh, like we said, you know, you've been open for about six months, kind of what, what are your goals? Like, where would you like to be, you know, as you kind of get it, get towards that year mark? Um, yeah, I think just, you know, making sure people are kind of, you know, know about us, you know, to come in friendly neighborhood spot. Um, yeah, pick up on some caterings and, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think the, the monthly dinners might be bi-monthly. So, um, we'll see. (laughs) Are there, are there any, are you rolling out anything for, for summer kind of, uh, you know, with the, with the weather changing and the, and the seasons and all that? Um, we did. We changed the seasonal salad um, to have watermelon on it. Um, Karpuzi is the name in in Greek. Um, and so that's feta and watermelon and green beans. And we've got some really fun. I use a lot of seasonal local ingredients. Um, so we've got some like really fun cauliflower coming in, like yellow and purple cauliflower, which I am doing a few dishes with. Um yeah, but I kind of, you know, go week by week what, what I can find on the at the market and kind of dictate some of the changes in the in the heat and eat case, especially. Um, and you know, the Horta is always changing, like based on what I can get around to. So we just have kind of a few little things that change based, change based what's on, what's in season. And then since you since you mentioned it, I, I feel like I should ask, like, do, so do you see like a, a more elevated sister concept in your future? I mean, is that... Is that the dream? I think so. You know, I have young young kids, so right now I really want to be around for them. Um, like I, you know, I, I want I want to have dinner with them, and that's kind of part of why the hours are where they are right now. But you know, when when they're teenagers and don't want to hang out with me anymore, maybe maybe things will change, um, and we can do something. Else. Yeah, you've got you've got a few more years before they're tired of you. you before <laughs> yeah. they before they think you're a moron. You, it's, I know, it's, right? It's coming, but you've got some time. Yeah. So I know obviously you're very busy with the uh, with the restaurant and everything, but but have you do you get the chance to go out with your family at all? Have you been anywhere recently that's uh, really impressed you? Um, yeah, we occasionally go to different places. I mean, let's see. I went to Blue Dorn not that long ago. That was great. Um, we we always. I mean. And we probably go like at least once a month to Mala. I always love love good Mala trip. Um, and then I on my days off, I go go to Pondicherry a lot too because I just miss the food. I'm so used to being there all the time. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. what's 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 the hidden gem of the Pondicherry menu that, that doesn't get enough attention? Um, upstairs in the Bake Lab, there's something called the Hopper. Um, it's actually uh, I helped Anita create it too, so maybe I'm a little biased. But um, it's a Sri Lankan dish, and it's um, kind of like this this shell of um, oh, made with coconut milk and rice flour, and it's almost like a bowl. And then inside, um, you can get a curry uh, with, with a fried egg on top, and it's really good, like a coconut curry. Well, Mary, I have to say that brings me to the end of my questions. Mm-hmm. Is there something you would like to discuss that I haven't asked you about? Um, I. I think we covered most things, but yeah. All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Okay. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Mary Kuklis, what is your favorite ingredient? Olive oil. What is the first band you saw in concert? Oh, (laughs) I think the Dixie Chicks. (laughs) What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Um, probably honey butter chicken biscuit. 
It's a great answer. <laughs> what is the last TV show you binged watched? I don't watch a lot of TV, but I think uh, The Blacklist, maybe. Perfect. And then finally, when you're ordering a pizza, what are your go-to toppings? Oh, I like uh, Joe's pizza, spinach and garlic. I, I, you know, it's funny. Like I've been <laughs> eating that pizza for probably thirty something years, and there are just there, there, there's like three nights a year when that is the only thing in the entire city so I want to eat for dinner. So good, so good, <laughs> so good. All right, uh, give us the website and uh, social media for Creedy Kitchen. Yeah, creedykitchen.com. Social media is Creedy Kitchen. So. Yeah. All right. Very quickly. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.